Hi, everybody, and welcome to Geek Speak Louder Than Nerds, a weekly rewatch podcast for TV and possibly movies. My name's Nick Farrow, and I am joined by my co-host. Hi, this is Mike Hilty. How are you doing today, well, Mike? I am great. How are you? I am doing awesome. I am especially doing good because it feels like it's been so long since I've actually gotten to it's, talk to you. It's been it's been ages since it's we last been... talked so many minutes at mm-hmm. least so at least yeah i am very happy to be back talking about star trek lower decks again with you this is a bit of a bonus episode for all <laughs> you dear listeners all three of you because <laughs> we did not expect paramount plus to drop two episodes the very first week you know we were hoping for a nice one episode record have a week off see those download numbers roll in and then get to do this all over again. But no, we are we are going to bring you two episodes this week. I have a I have a question for you as yeah. somebody who I'm assuming you've watched Star uh, Lower Decks from from the beginning. Have they always dropped the first two episodes, or nope. is this just a special? Nope, this is special this thing. is the first time they did that. It was so funny. I saw the internet announcement, and the first thing I said was. Oh, cool! And then I went, oh, no. No, no. <laughs> I oh, instantly no. realized, of course they did. Of course they released two episodes because I decided to branch out and do something unlike myself. So why why not make my life just a tad bit more difficult? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Paramount Plus. Yeah, that makes a whole <laughs> lot of sense. Sure did. <laughs> so yeah, so we have two episodes that are coming out this week. We're going to get that first one. You already have, you've already listened several times, I'm sure, to that first yeah. episode. Absolutely. That was our inaugural pilot episode. Now you get a second one and it's not even been three days. So good for you. Good lucky, for yeah, you. Luck, <laughs> be, be blessed. All of right? you. All, all three of you. Yes. I, I know full well that everybody is constantly asking to hear my voice on a more regular basis. So <laughs> this this can only be your dream come true. For sure. I don't, I don't even think my wife would want to listen to me this much, but we'll oh, see how no. it goes. No. <laughs> how dare you? No. My voice is pretty annoying. But <laughs> we are doing our best to put on our Dean Winchester deep voice and not get too pitchy. So... <laughs> Mike, I have to ask you, we're talking about Lower Deck Season 4, which is weird for most people, I'm sure. Why why not start with Season 1? And I think it's because we want to keep with that, that weekly release schedule. But how much of Lower Decks have you seen up until now? I've seen a season and a half of, of okay. Lower Decks. So you and I have been chatting a little bit about Star Trek stuff, which again, subtle, shameless plug for the pod that we did on the state of Star Trek, you know, on a different podcast feed, which we'll link in the episode. I, I've been meaning to get into Lower Decks. It's on the queue because I predominantly write about TV for, you know, the two two sites, like one of which like Nick and I both write for at Sif Pop. There's just so much TV out right now and it's just hard to pierce through like which ones I should be prioritizing, but Lower Decks really like has been one that I'm like, I need to get into this. Cause like even my sister, she's kind of like a novice Star Trek fan, but she, she really likes Lower Decks. And after the conversation that we had, 
I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta finally pull the trigger on this. And I got maybe about two thirds of the way through the first season before like something came up at work that I just needed to address. And I had to, yeah, I had to kind of put a plug on it. I'm a season and a half into Lower Decks. That's a good chunk like you're pretty much halfway through so far are there any episodes that really stood out to you like ones really enjoyed so the two that i've enjoyed the most so i like the last two episodes of season one like a lot uh season one episode nine uh was the crisis point episode and season one episode 10 no small parts i really liked both of those this is one also where like the pilot doesn't completely suck so i did enjoy the pilot but yeah those those two episodes at the end of season one definitely top of my list right now those are the two episodes that completely hooked me into the show like i was actually on the fence when i first started watching the show it had already aired about six or seven episodes because I didn't have Paramount Plus at the time and I wasn't about to get it for this weird cartoon that looked like it was making fun of Star Trek because like <laughs> comedies are always hit or miss. And yep. so I watched the first episode and honestly, if I had to wait a week, I might not have kept going and I would have been doing myself a huge disservice because by the time I got to episode nine and 10, those two episodes back to back was a one two punch. I immediately fell in love. I went back and I rewatched the entire season then, and I can't believe how much episode one plays differently after you've seen all 10 episodes, because that first episode, it's really erratic. It's fast paced. I did not really like it the first time. And now it's like just another episode of Lower Decks. And mm -hmm. I love it. It's it's so good. So those two were special for me as well. They're cut above a lot of the other episodes, to be honest. I appreciate this is different for a couple reasons. One, it's animated. Obviously, it's, it's animated. It skews more in the comedy sense. But the other thing, too, that I appreciate about this show that I don't get a lot from Star Trek, which is kind of one reason why I'm, I've been a little hesitant, it's only half an hour. Not much of a time commitment for this, whereas most of the other Star Trek shows, at least an hour per episode. Yep. No, so, yeah. 40, 42 minutes. Yeah. So all the way through. It's a long, it's a long haul. And there's 24 a season. Like you're not getting through season one of Star Trek the Next Generation in a day. It's gonna take you a minute. So at least a, that's a that's a week's undertaking. Yeah, so excited to see more of this. Could there be some things that I'm like missing out on? Probably, unfortunately, as we continue to go through this. But my hope is, is that by the end of this fourth season, I will have been caught up also on the back end with everything for that. And then maybe we'll go back and be like, oh, you know, that thing from like the fourth episode of this season that I needed to see season three for. I got that that time. So well, yeah, well, in the last last episode we, we talked about, I mentioned season two, episode seven or eight, Wejdaj, like three times because Talin comes directly from that episode. That was one when I got there, just the implication that she could show up on the Cerritos at some point was tossed around. We were talking about it online, just like, hey, do you think Talin will ever show up in the show as a main character? 
And sure enough, season three finale, there she is. I was super excited. I was like, oh, wow. So they're they're really going there. It shows that the showrunners here really know what they're doing. It's not just a, an episode of the week situation for them. They clearly have an arc planned because introducing a character in season two and then not using her again until the very last episode of season three and then making her a season regular on four, that's pretty risky. You mm-hmm. don't usually see that. So I I like it. You've watched this show from the beginning? Pretty much, yeah. I I started it at season one. They had just about wrapped up the full season when I first started watching it. And then then once season two hit, sign up for Paramount Plus. We're watching this every week, week to week. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Like I love it. God, I just put it on the background sometimes. (laughs) Like, it's so good. So uh, do you think we should get into this, uh, the second episode? Let's do it. This week, we will be watching season four, episode two. I have no bones, yet I must flee. Once upon a time. Now this is a story all about how. Have you ever had a dream? You, 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 you want, you want to do so much you could do anything? This is an interesting opening, especially considering they dropped both episodes Back, back to, back. to back. So we get yeah. well, episode one and then into episode two. And we essentially get the exact same opening as we did the ending of last week. Only this time, instead of being on a Klingon ship, we're on a Romulan ship. I thought this, this is a pretty cool looking Romulan vessel because they don't typically look up and down like that. So that was a, a fun bit of new Star Trek designing that I wasn't familiar with at the very least. So we're on this Romulan vessel. And for some background for you, the Romulans are essentially an offshoot of Vulcans. So like Mm -hmm. Mr. Spock, his people from Vulcan left thousands of years ago and they colonized Romulus and changed their names and they're they're Romulans now. Whereas Vulcans are very logical and compassionless and no emotions. The Romulans are anything but. The Vulcans are like, Stern, the Romulans are scheming. They're always trying to stab each other in the back. And that is very apparent by the conversation that's going on with these Romulans. They're trying to one-up each other as to who the better schemer is. I'm going to stab him in the back before you can stab him in the back. Like That that conversation made me laugh so hard because it was, it was so just funny. so ridiculous. It was just so ridiculous. <laughs> My only experience with Romulans was Eric Bana in the, yeah, the, the JJ reboot. One. There's kind of some scheming in there, but it seems like a little bit more of a united Romulan, you know, Romulans. Well, nerd out moment here for you. So there's a little bit of backstory that's not 100% canon, but I, 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 until they say otherwise. If if it's not 100% canon, I don't want to hear it. But go ahead. I I will allow this. Go ahead. So they came out with a a comic book prequel tie-in to JJ's. 2009 Star Trek, where mm-hmm. Nero, the Eric Bana character, is a Romulan that works on like a mining ship. And the ship that he's on, the Narada, is meant for mining regular stuff, but it, it ran into some Borgs. And the the Borg tech uh, upgraded it, which is essentially why it looks all crazy, because it didn't look like a regular Romulan vessel. So like he says in the movie, I don't speak for the Empire. It's because he's he's like a blue collar dude who got sucked into a portal that sent him to an alternate universe. That's why he's very un-Romulan-like. I think that was the way for the movie to kind of write off, or at the very least, is the way for the Star Trek people to write off why Nero was very un-Romulan-like when they were saying that he came from the TV show Prime Universe. That was kind of like some backstory there. 
the comics and the books and stuff aren't officially canon, but I, I like that explanation because otherwise it. it's kind of weird because he is very different. But yeah, pointy ears, very emotional. You you get it. Like yeah. that's that's a Romulan to the T. So these Romulans are are scheming, and just like in the 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 finale of the previous episode, they get called to the bridge. There's a mysterious ship. The ship from last episode shows up. And it wipes them out. Only this time we actually see on the bridge what happens. In the last episode, it cuts and you don't see it. You just see the wreckage floating. And this time there's kind of a flash. So I'm almost wondering if they're beaming people off because it just seems weird that they would have killed that one Klingon character who they spent a very large chunk of time in that season two episode. So just to kill him off two seasons later randomly seems weird to me. So I think he's I think he's going to show up back up later on, but we'll see. That's that. It has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It's just a continuation. If you didn't see last week, I don't know. I thought it was a weird inclusion for, at the very least, the second episode when both dropped back to back. Yeah. But it's it was weird to include it in the second episode. It was also weird putting it at the very beginning as well. Yeah, like that as as if like, hey, remember this thing that happens thirty seconds ago? It, yeah, thirty seconds ago, if you just watched these back to back, which yeah, most people probably did. It was a weird decision. It was. You know? I, I mean, I I can imagine they didn't want to put it at the end again to literally do the exact same thing. I don't know. May, maybe there's a reason why next week's they didn't want to do that. I know in the previous seasons of Lower Decks, they would always allude to something at the beginning of the season and then tackle it somewhere in the middle. So maybe they're trying something new this time, and they want to just see how it plays if they reference it every episode. I, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We can judge yeah. it at the end. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we uh, we then go to our Cerritos crew. We open in the workout room where Shax and Ransom, Shax being the... Uh, the security chief of the ship and Commander Ransom, the first officer, are working out in absolutely stunning workout outfits, which we will definitely hit in the reference scene. That's probably one of my favorite images of the entire episode is these two working out. I never would have thought that scene in particular with their very bright and flashy workout gear. I never would have thought that would have been something but again, it just goes to show how much of a love letter this is to, to Star Trek because it's just picking and choosing just like little random things. I appreciate yep. that, even though it I don't get any of it these. It does. Oh, I will explain it to you later because <laughs> I understood that reference. Nice. They're discussing the new promoted lieutenants. Ransom indicates that Mariner is being a nuisance, but she won't be his problem for long. And of course, Mariner walks in and overhears him saying that. So this, of course, sets Mariner off on a destructive path, which is pretty typical for her. I was a little surprised after three seasons of growth for this character. Like I've been really hardcore on Team Mariner. Like she started out quite annoying and very random. I love how they put her in therapy, essentially. And she started to understand more about herself her relationships and pretty much each season kind of caps off something like a, a character building moment for her. So I felt like this was a bit of a regression, but I think the the episode kind of earns that regression based on her relationship with Ransom. 
Yeah. Did you yeah. did you pick up any of that? I did. You know, like they kind of teased it a little at the beginning or when she did get promoted because that was a surprise promotion at the end of the first episode of this season. So I'm a little surprised again that they addressed it this quickly. I would have thought that they would have hopefully given it a little bit of time to breathe. I did appreciate how it ended up, but yeah, it just seemed like a bit of an odd choice to address this right now as opposed to just waiting a little bit and addressing some of the other things that happened because of that. Well, in previous seasons, I got the impression that she was at one point a lieutenant which I guess they do say in this episode that she gets promoted and then immediately gets demoted. Mm-hmm. And in the first season, they, they they indicate that she's been kicked off of so many starships. That's why she has to be on the Cerritos with Captain Freeman, who is her mom, which we did not mention in the previous episode. But her mom's the captain. It's all good. So, we've got yeah. we've got 10 episodes <laughs> to like clarify everything. So it's yeah, all exactly. Good. So she's on this ship because no one else will have her. But it seems like this is the good ship for her because she's starting to actually learn as a person. But she's now pissed at Ransom. She thinks he's out to get her. And she's she declares that she's going to get herself demoted of her own accord. <laughs> so she's crazy. The rest of them, the, the Lower Decks crew, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are in their bunks. And they're getting ready to move out because they got promoted or at least... Tendi and Boimler did. Rutherford did not get promoted and they're kind of sad that they're going to be leaving him behind, but he makes he makes the decision that he's going to get promoted today. Today. So today can, like today. immediately. Like I'm I'm you know, I'm just going to no do big this deal. right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've had mixed feelings about how I feel about Rutherford, but he has grown on me a lot and this season when he just declares i'm i'm going to get promoted not like in a couple weeks or i'm not going to like start a project that's going to eventually warrant me getting promoted i'm just going to do this today right. and he just figured it out that was just that was just cool. he's ever the optimist i i really love rutherford i fell in love with his character in the episode where he wanted to watch this pulsar with tendy mm-hmm. but it was during a work routine so he decides to switch positions so he's bouncing all over the ship the entire episode from job to job just but like he can't find one that he wants and he ends up just going back to engineering anyway his optimism his ability to adapt but then also his ability to just be like whatever okie dokie no that's yeah that i just love him so much him and tendy they're just like they're like the ideal starfleet members yes like the two of them together are are great and there's a couple scenes in this episode where i really like their interaction together but starting with this one yeah really good so they leave their bunks behind boimler on his way to his new quarters and i like how the lights dim in their quarter area and it's kind of like a, a close of the chapter they're no longer going to be living here anymore it's a little bit of a spoiler for later on what happens but i i really do like how they kind of are like, all right, that's it. These bunks are a thing of the past. Are done, are done yeah. We go to the shuttle bay where Mariner shows up for duty wearing her workout clothes because she is just going to get herself demoted today. And Ransom is waiting for her with a new Ensign, Ensign Gary, which I looked everywhere. I, I mean, it could be a Gary 7 reference. I don't know. It, it just seems so weird that they named him Ensign Gary. Couldn't find anything. And I also couldn't find who voiced him. He sounded like Michael Sarah, but I there's nothing on IMDb 
or anywhere really? that indicates who the voice was. So it must not have been anybody big, but That's I just thought it was weird that he he see, he stood out like a sore thumb the entire episode. Yes, he did. So Ensign Gary is like, what is this mission? He seems really green. He's like a little kid. And Mariner's like, oh, it's the typical menage, which is short for menagerie. A menagerie in Star Trek is a zoo of creatures. And usually there are some humans that get caught in it. So their job is to go and rescue these humans that were accidentally put in this menagerie. Do you want to know how I knew what a menagerie was. Go for it. The Orville. The Orville has oh. an episode. That I don't think they call it a menagerie. I think they call it something pretty close to it. I saw but that episode. The the Orville did something like that, like super early on. Yeah. In, in they get really like giants that like put them in there or something. Yeah. I did yeah. see that episode. I love that they shorten it to menage. Like that seems like a very <laughs> modern thing to do to, to like shorten everything. That was one I was like, oh, okay. Like we're going to we're going to a place where people can pretty much be treated to like a zoo. I, I like that the, the guy calls it his like his menagerium something. It reminded mm-hmm. me of that uh, Dr. Parnassus's uh Imagine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that, that movie was called. But, but I was like, oh, that's really funny. They go over to the menage and Mariner flies the ship in super recklessly to try and get on Ransom's nerves. And Ransom's just like, well, that was some good piloting. Mm-hmm. Like you see, he's he's like trying his hardest not to like come down on her. And then we get introduced to Narj. Our, uh, Narj. 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 Mr. Yeah. Narj, or as I like to call him, Bananas in Pajamas are coming down the stairs. I couldn't see anything else. Like, he was a tree person, I guess, but he was bananas and pajamas. So Bananas tells them that he's the curator of the menage. He welcomes to his his menagerie, and Mariner is all up his butt almost immediately. Like, do you imprison everything you like? Look at look at all the, the like, is it fun being a prison warden? Prison, I, I, I think that's just, I, I loved that that part of their interaction she just kept referring to it as a prison and you know just like are are all these prisoners here you know just for entertainment like did you capture all these prisoners like what's up with this do you do you put everything you love in cages and he's like of course she did not let up at all and i i just appreciated that so much because it just goes to show the lengths that she is going to be demoted and just the parallel of just how much effort Rutherford puts in to get promoted. It just mm-hmm. it's just hilarious. Yeah. The opposite nature of their two stories is uh is perfect for this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we then we then are introduced to Star Trek's newest merchandising opportunity, the baby Yoda of Star Trek, the Moopsie. Moopsie. And this is a character who is like this little white blob of adorable that just says his name like a Pokemon in the most sweet, angelic child voice. And Narj is like, the Moopsie is Narj's favorite. And it's just the most adorable thing ever. So then Mariner gets a little look on her face. And of course, we're supposed to assume that she's got a plan. I thought immediately I knew the plan. When you see both of them, it's like, okay, I I see where this is going. And no, that is not what happens at all. (laughs) The Moopsie is a fun little character who we will get back to in a bit. But as of right now, 
We're going to go back over to the Cerritos where Tendi and Rutherford are trying to figure out how to get Rutherford a promotion. He comes up. He's like, I've got it. I've got it in the bag. I have this thing I've been working on. He goes up to Billups, the chief engineer, and he says, I've been working for a year on to decrease the vibrations of the warp manifold by 0.05. And Billups just smashes his nuts so hard (laughs) by saying, hey, that's crazy because this new guy, Ensign Livick, just decreases it by 0.06. Rutherford is just so mad. I got a question. Is this guy just new? Like Brand new. Okay, he's brand new. So it's not yeah. like he's been, this has been a rivalry throughout the course of the whole series. Nope. That, he's, unless I he missed just, him. He's he, just, he just showed up. This is his first appearance Friday. as far okay. as I'm aware. Yeah, like my assumption is they upgraded some uh, ensigns to lieutenant, so they needed to fill in some new ensign slots. So uh, okay. Livick is the Newman of, of the Ooh. lower decks because this is a running gag throughout the whole episode. Every time Rutherford thinks he's got something that's going to get him promoted, Livick's already there. Livick's already goal. there. He's, and, he's already and done, every time he's already done it and done it better. A wunderkin, as Boiler <laughs> puts it. Yeah, no, and, and Rutherford's always going, Livick. <laughs> so, so Livick has already done the thing. So, so Rutherford, he's got to figure out something else. While he's doing this, Boimler is checking out his new quarters and he walks in. And this is so weird. This is like the second Seinfeld reference in 30 seconds. He walks into a his quarters and it's red. Everything is red because it's right outside the nacelle. And so the window is just glowing red. And I, I couldn't help but think of that episode of Seinfeld where the chicken sign is shining through Kramer's bedroom and just turning the whole place red. The room's red. Boimler can't figure out how to turn the lights down or cover the windows. So he's freaking out. He decides he's going to ask to change quarters and he gets his quarters stuck in between two holodecks next. So, yes, yes. Um, Two of the two holodecks that you could get placed in between. Nothing screams. I hate my life more than Robin Hood fanfic type of role play. You know, the the other one wasn't that bad, but... Well, I mean, when the captain starts scatting at her inaugural presidential (laughs) election, I love how he he pushes, he just pushes his bed to the other wall, like, this will solve the problem. It's like, nope. Well, and then eventually, (laughs) and then his solution is, you know what, I'm just going to go in the middle and just be in a cacophony of both of these. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Oh my god! There's an episode, I think season three, where they need to go into the holodeck to because there's an access panel they need to get through, which takes them to a Jeffrey's tube shortcut. And the holodeck is active, and it's Doctor Tana and Shax again. Um, only this time it's like a 1930s uh, bank, and they're robbing the place. And they turn off the safety protocols and they get bullets shot at them. And then Dr. Tana and Shaq start having sex on the counter of the bank vault. And she's like, make the hostages watch. So like (laughs) their their shenanigans in the holodeck are just very well known and debaucherous of every amount you can think of. So I wouldn't want to have to be living in between that. So while Boiler is dealing with his uh, his bunk problems we go back to the station and lo and behold the moopsie has escaped so narge is uh, showing them 
these really horrifying looking monsters as his best selling things. The Moopsie walks by, he immediately freaks out. And Mariner is all cocky and is like, what? I thought the Moopsie was your favorite guy. He's like, yes, but he drinks your bones. He and drinks like, your it drinks your bones. I was expecting I was expecting it to like, you know, eat eat maybe a limb or you know, <laughs> drink blood or anything like that. But no, the Moopsie drinks your bones. And the way that it does that to these first two creatures, where gets on top, just starts starts drinking the bones, and then the skin of these just just goes flat. Just like, an absolute oh, horror just, show. It's just <laughs> it's it's gross, but it's also hilarious. And then also just at the end, Oopsie. every time it every time it murders, it just, says its name so adorably. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. So the Moopsie has escaped and it is now essentially an event horizon ship. Like everyone is no longer safe. So we bounce back to the Cerritos while they're running in terror from the Moopsie. And Boimler has moved himself into the Jeffrey's tubes and Rutherford's still trying to find himself a way to get promoted, at which point he then discovers that Livick has already beaten him to it. So Rutherford's just not having a good go of it. While all this is happening, the Moopsie is terrorizing them on the station. Moopsie! On the menage. The menage. The menage. (laughs) The Moopsie, he breaks into the one room that they're hiding in, but not before Mariner and Ransom finally have it out. So Mariner and Ransom just go at it, and Ransom accuses her of letting out the Moopsie, and she accuses him of trying to demote her and she tells him about the conversation she overheard and then and this is where we get to the the heart of this episode where essentially he he drops a truth bomb on her that she's self-sabotaging and that every ship she goes to she gets promoted and then immediately gets demoted because of her own nonsense of course ransom being the self-ego character that he is He thinks it's because those were inadequate commanders that she had and they couldn't see through her games, but he sees through her games and he's not going to let her do it. So um, I really I really liked that they've had ups and downs and she makes mention of several callbacks to previous episodes where he's really gone on her case. He stabbed her in the leg, which I'm sure you saw that one. But then in season three, he's got her working this stupid job that should have been an engineer's job just to prove a point. And so there's that, like she just rattles off all the times that they've butt heads. He's like, yeah, and I'm not going to let you ruin your career. He, he thinks she can be a great officer. And I think that's a great change for their relationship because up until then, they have kind of been butting heads throughout the entire series. So it's nice to see that difference. I would have to agree with this. I I did like this this part a lot. It was just awkward time to have a conversation. But I think my favorite part is that they're having this conversation in front of this poor Ensign who just (laughs) has no idea what's going on and what to do, you know, like, um, he was brought along just as a, you know, like, Hey, this is your first mission. Just let's, yeah. let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, let's let her rip. Him into so, it. <laughs> um, and everything like that. And, you know, to have, to have Mariner be the one that is just shepherding him through this when she is quote unquote being a insubordinate 
supernova. What a crappy way to set an example for for right. somebody. And this poor Gary, he's just so confused. He doesn't know what to do. He, I love when he goes, are you two breaking up? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was great. I love the part like when they first encounter or I think like this was either at the beginning when he when Mariner like Tokyo drifts into the menage. Gary goes, I need to replicate me some new pants. His pants, yep. And then he needs to replicate himself some more pants later. And uh, yes, that was one of those funny gags that I appreciated. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. So after they kind of come to an agreement, they all kind of then gang up on the banana dude. Ransom asks her, did you, did you let them you out? This? And she yeah. said, no, I did not. And he says, I believe you. At which point we're, as the audience are supposed to go, okay, Mariner didn't do it. So then who did? They immediately turn to Narj. As they do, the Moopsie descends upon him and proceeds to suck out all of his bones. So, well, which is which is funny because I got a vibe from this, and then I got a question because the question is, I thought that they had identified that he doesn't have any bones, so <laughs> that was what, the thought, wasn't it? What, what what happened there? So I guess even trees can have bones as well. <laughs> I guess in this case, but also this part kind of gave me a little Samuel L. Jackson from Deep Blue Sea vibes because <laughs> I thought I thought that Nars was going to make it out of this. And no, as soon as people start to turn on him, Moopsie came in and just Moopsie. did his, his, his or her, his. Yeah, we'll go with his. It's, I don't know. It's, yeah. <laughs> did Let's you just gender the Moopsie? My, my mistake. I apologize to all <laughs> Moopsies That's out exactly. there. I apologize. I did not mean to engender all of them, <laughs> particularly the one in this episode. So Moopsie eats his tree bones. And they, they escape the room they're in. They lock the Moopsie in just to realize that that was actually the control room of the station. And Moopsie jumps on the, the controls and sends the station co a co on a collision course for the planet. So th that is not what I thought was going to happen. I thought that Moopsie was releasing everybody in the minute. But oh, that would have been interesting. <laughs> it would have made a lot more sense what Moopsie actually does, which is, you know, just mess with the panel and then just causes the, the menage to just plummet. Down In an hour long down. episode, that might have actually happened. They only got 22 minutes, baby. We got to clip this along because, I mean, pretty work. much right from there, we cut back to the station and Rutherford is essentially wrapping up his story so rutherford and tendy head into the engineering rutherford convinced that he's finally figured out a way to to beat livick at his own game when billups is like well unfortunately rutherford i i, I can't deal with you right now because i'm uh, promoting livick to lieutenant at which point he is just downtrodden he's like i can't believe it i missed out i had the opportunity to go with you guys he's like we're not going to be able to be friends anymore because i'm an ensign and you're a lieutenant and that's when Tendi snaps him to attention and uses her new rank and makes him listen. Like, listen, we're going to be best friends no matter what our rank is, no matter where we live. We're, we're always going to hang out, be cool. And that is an order. Mm -hmm. And they very, have a nice little moment together. Very much a parallel with the conversation that Ransom has with Mariner. I did appreciate that. It was nice. And then mm -hmm. Rutherford drops his truth bomb on Tendi. 
that he really wishes he hadn't turned down all the promotions that he's been up for uh, over the years. And I laughed uh, so I, I I laughed pretty hard during this part too because all the other ones just to stay with with his friends like I get it but yeah it's just the way he just says it just so matter of factly I, it's funny too because and that was actually a question I had each season he has been put in a position where he's done something either heroic or he's he's come up with the idea that saves the ship. And you can always just assume that the joke is, of course, they don't get promoted. They're just lower decks, like someone else took the credit for it. But then to find out that he actually was offered a promotion multiple times for the multiple things that he's done over the years. That they that they list as well. They list them all. Yeah, They list all the things that he's done that has (laughs) caused him to possibly get promoted. And just for him to just be like, man, I should have taken... So then Tendy yells to Billups, hey, Billups, can you give (laughs) Rutherford a promotion for that time he removed all the hull plates? And Billups is just like, okay, sure, sure. sure. Why not? (laughs) Yeah. And he said, Rutherford goes, you mean I could just ask for the things that I deserve? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh, but then the look. The look that Livick oh, gives. Oh, because he takes like, it from Livick. He's so mad. Rutherford. <laughs> and Tendi. So I'm very much looking forward to the Livick, Rutherford, Tendi hate wagon that comes between those three. This coming season, that'll be so much fun if they call back to that. Rutherford is also is also a lieutenant junior grade, just like the rest of them. So they have all leveled up together. I'm a little confused why they left him behind uh, to get promoted in this episode, but whatever. It, like, it, it would for a nice story arc. The, the parallels it, it did, of... The, the parallels, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you're right. The... the... You're you're using my point against me, so <laughs> so well well played. So yeah, they thought they yeah. really they planned this out. Yeah. <laughs> so the, almost as if they know what they're doing. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, man, this Mike McMahon guy, he's he's pretty smart. What's up? So Moopsie is still at large, Moopsie. and of course Mariner is going to be the hot shot. I'm going to sacrifice myself to save the day. And she says something that makes Ransom go, wait a minute, how about you punch me in the face? And she's like, um, what? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Ransom's idea is if you punch me hard enough in the face, my teeth will come out. And what are teeth made of? Bones. Bones. So we've got a, uh, hey, ooh, piece of candy moment where the moopsie is like, ooh, piece of candy. Moopsie. Ooh piece of candy and follows the trail of teeth all the way back to her cage its cage i did it too um all the way back to the how dare you we are just monsters (laughs) all the way back to the moopsies cage where they are then able to shut the door and save the ship from crashing to the planet they're sitting there and they're just wondering how on earth did the, the moopsie get out as they're questioning this, they look over at the humans who they're in the process of saying, oh, I guess maybe humans aren't so bad after all. And we're we're really not a problem and they shouldn't be captured and put in a menagerie. But it turns out the humans trapped in the menagerie did, in fact, let the moopsie out by jury rigging a panel behind their cage. So <laughs> it was the humans all along. 
Humans are the worst. Humans are the worst. Always just gendering moopsies left and right. If you could only hear yourselves. So they uh, they decide they're going to leave the humans in the menage. They said they'll let somebody else come free them. <laughs> they can wait. Because mm-hmm. I guess it was the humans' plan to take over the ship from Narj by letting the Moopsie out, so it would kill Narj, and they can they could then run the ship. But no, they're gonna they're they're gonna have to sit their time in the menage while alien kids poke at the glass. Not gonna lie, would have been a pretty good plan. <laughs> would have gotten away with it too. <laughs> it wasn't for the, the damn Moopsie. Moopsie. Damn <laughs> if it wasn't for that Lieutenant, that Ensign Gary. Mm-hmm. Back on the ship, Rutherford and Boimler are uh, going to be roommates now mm-hmm. that everyone's the same rank. And they walk into their new room and it's another red room to which Rutherford just walks up to the panel and turns the blinds down and mm-hmm. it turns into a normal room again. So, of course, Boimler wasn't a goofball the entire time. He could have just had a nice big room to himself. At the, the, the beginning, they mentioned that uh, Boimler... Boimler had a nice dent on the bunk bed below him because he kept smashing his head into it. Denty, yeah. (laughs) And Rutherford hits him with a spark with a little science project he's doing, and he makes a new dent in his new bunk. And that is the end of our episode. That's it. So did you like this episode? I did like this episode. It was good. It does not have the moral conundrum, per se, that... Of a (laughs) Of of a Tuvix. Um... But I did appreciate it, especially because the Moopsie just sold it for me right. really, really well. Yes. I expect to see those on store shelves by Christmas. And if they don't, I'm going to be super upset. And then also, my my bold prediction, this will not be the last time that we see Moopsie or any other Moopsies. Oh my Maybe. god. <laughs> Moopsie? Yeah, I was, you know, just the plural. A gaggle of, of Moopses? A murder of moops. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I I don't know. I I I feel like this will not be the last time that we we see them. But yeah, overall, good episode. I like the parallel storylines between Mariner trying to get demoted and Rutherford trying to get promoted, and they both end up getting what they need at the end of yeah. the day. Mariner did not get demoted like she originally wanted, but she got like a good lesson from Ransom about I know you. You you're trying to get out of this. And I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah. It's going to be really hard pressed for me to not like one of these episodes, but I especially like it when they can do exactly that, where mm-hmm. a character in the show grows. Cause this could so easily be just the stupid cartoon show that nothing ever changes on and everything is always just surface level, but mm-hmm. it, it really does get deeper with these characters and almost more so than some of the live action Star Trek shows that we've seen. So for them to have that level of like deep character moment is it's really nice. Yep. Agreed. So let's get into our next segment of I understood that reference. How can you not know that Spider-Man first appeared in 1962's classic Amazing Fantasy number 15? Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. In this segment, I will do my best to compile all the references, jokes, and Easter eggs that I can find. This is mainly to show off how cool I am. 
but to also <laughs> to see if Mike found the references to help or hinder the episode from an outsider's perspective. So this one, I cheated a little because the title, I have it's... no bones, yet I must flee. It immediately evoked a memory in me of some sort. Like I, I that's that's a play on something. Do you know what it is? No. No. So there is a older short story. It's a sci-fi short story called I Have No Mouth, Yet I Must Scream. Mm. Do you know it now? Yes. No. I... So I looked this up and apparently it's a story where um, there is a, like an AI war. The story takes place on like a ship or a prison of some sort where humans are being held in a menagerie-like oh. environment where they are tortured for days and years on end one of the main characters eventually is turned into essentially a puddle of mush and that's where the title comes from i have no mouth yet i must scream because the ai is keeping him alive through scientific means i thought that was a, a fun little reference he's turned into a pile of mush which is essentially what the moopsie does to all of its victims moopsie no bones, yet I must flee. At the beginning of the episode, uh, one of the Romulans says his life will be disrupted, which I thought was really funny because it's a little subtle joke that the Romulans call their energy weapons disruptors. So instead of a phaser, they have disruptors. So to disrupt his life is it's kind of a little double meaning. I thought that was cute. Now the big one, the one that had me rolling. And unfortunately, they, they put this in the trailer, which I get it. It was funny when I saw it in the trailer and it was funny when I saw it in the show. But uh, Shaxx and Ransom's workout attire. There is an episode in The Next Generation. It's a TNG season three, episode eight, The Price, where Deanna and Beverly are working out in these exact outfits they're both wearing a gray bodysuit from head to toe and over top of the gray bodysuit is a bathing suit that has just been flipped around beverly has a green one and deanna has a pink one and it's essentially accentuating their breasts and hmm. thanks rick berman we appreciate you being skeevy in the 90s or in this case it might have been the 80s so that was that was a a little thing where they were working out and of course they're talking about a guy because in this episode there's a an ambassador who has come on board and so i thought it was really funny that jackson ransom were doing the exact same thing where they were essentially talking not about nothing in particular Kind of like the reverse Bechtel test, which this this episode of TNG definitely failed. Mm -hmm. And so there was there's just layers upon layers in this joke. But the fact that they were wearing this outfit called back to that episode and also is like, no, nah, this is just what everyone wears when they work out. It's not just the ladies. So that that I thought was really funny. And then with the end, they go, let's get hot fudge Sundays. For cheat day, that's a direct reference to Deanna Troy, her love for chocolate. Like they, she always gets chocolate stuff. So that, I thought that was really funny as well. So the original pilot of TOS was called The Cage. And in The Cage, Captain Pike and a lady are held prisoner in a menagerie. And then funny enough, because that, that, that was the original pilot. The original pilot never went to air. Uh, until years, years later. They then used that episode when they got hit with budgetary restraints. They took that and made a two-part episode called The Menagerie. Captain Pike is in his beeping chair and they show clips of the original pilot in the episode to explain Captain Pike's situation. 
Mm-hmm. So I thought that was that was a nice little nod. It's a menagerie and a cage and all that jazz. Boimler has a action figure. Uh, he calls Mirror Archer. That's a nod to the Mirror Universe, where the Mirror Universe is essentially the opposite of the regular universe, where they mm. go back and like everybody's evil. Mm. So in the original series, the, the characters, the way they distinguished that they were evil is they had mustaches or goatees, essentially. And that yeah. was uh, like, so that's that's a pop culture thing that has been made fun of to death, where the evil version has a, has a facial hair. And in Star Trek Enterprise, they spent a large chunk of a season dealing with the Mirror Universe, from what I understand. So Mirror Archer would be Captain Archer when he went over to the Mirror Universe and he's wearing a, a, like a Captain Kirk type outfit. In the Menagerie, did you notice the snake and the I dog did. with unicorn horns? I did. Yeah. In the original series, they just put a unicorn horn on animals to make them alien. (laughs) That was a a fun little nod there to creature design. And there was also a three-headed snake on a glowing orb. Did you see this guy? I did. I did, yeah. In the pilot of TNG, character Q, which is kind of like a godlike character, shows up. And he turns into this thing and kind of indicates that that's his true form. It's never really proven or shown to be true, but like, because Q's crazy. I thought that was a nice little nod to uh, to Q. And if that is a Q, that'd be interesting as to why he is in there. But uh, uh, the last one I've got is the Tucker Tubes. In the episode, Rutherford goes to Bilp and says, I figured out a way to maximize efficiency from the Tucker tubes. And Livick's already done this. He's added a third tube and he's calling it the Billups tube. The Tucker tubes is a reference to Trip Tucker from the Enterprise show. I don't think those things have ever had a name. Honestly, I don't know for certain. As you know, I've I've actually not seen most of Enterprise. Mm Mm-hmm. Trip Tucker was a character on Enterprise, and uh, they were named after him. So I'm sure <laughs> Billups at one point goes, I don't even know what these things do. Hmm. So I thought that was funny as well, because neither do I. Nice. Th- those were all the references that I was able to glean from the episode. Did any of them take away from your enjoyment? No, no. I think Good. this one this one was pretty pretty straightforward. I don't think there was anything really in here that was like, oh, I'm really missing out. Not like the first one. Yeah. That first, like one, first one. You uh, that, didn't watch Voyager. You're not quite you're not gonna get a bunch everything. of this. Yeah. You're not gonna get a bunch of this stuff. But uh nowhere in this. I don't see any origins or you know trivia on on Boopsie, which <laughs> nope. Uh, Moopsie's a brand new character, as far as I'm aware. There you go. We've got ourselves a new Star Trek canon, the Moopsie. Moopsie! A long line of cute, adorable aliens that are apparently terrible, horrible murder monsters. Yep. Maybe, oh, you know what? Maybe the Moopsie was a play on the Tribble. There you go. That could be a reference there. He was cute and adorable, and then he ended up almost destroying the station. There you go. It's possible. Another reference. I think it's time to find our favorite characters. What do you say? I'll take you home and lock you in a nice little cage and never, never, ever let you out. Do you imprison everything you like? Of course. Be so sexy, I'm gonna die. The Moopsie is Nars' favorite. Moopsie. I mean, how, how can it not be the Moopsie? It's the like, Moopsie, right? It's, it's, gotta, it's gotta be the <laughs> Moopsie uh, at this point because 
It's so cute, cuddly, and adorable, but they stuck the landing when they said it drinks bones. Like, just... <laughs> to be in that writer's room, all right, what does the Moopsie do? What What's the terrifying thing that this Moopsie can do? It, well, it drinks your bones. It drinks <laughs> your bones. Yeah, crushed it. Well, it's a daily double, because I also have the Moopsie as my favorite character. My kids have been going around just saying Moopsie all day long. Moopsie! Ever since they saw it this morning, so it's been uh, it's been a ride. <laughs> you know, it, but if if I were to pick somebody else, I guess no, 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 no. I'm I'm committing. I'm committing. I'm just going to go committing with to the Moopsie. Yeah, I'm committing to the Moopsie with this. And I again, I hope that this is not the last that we see of the Moopsie. Even though it would not surprise me if it is. You know, it's all good. I gotta say, I might, I might. I've given it to Shax, which is actually another reference that I missed. Um, the whole Robin Hood thing. There's an mm-hmm. episode of TNG where Q makes them all be Robin Hood, which is ah. fun. When, when they're about to go into the Robin Hood thing, I kind of felt for Shax a little because like Dr. Tana's like, are you ready to get nasty? She's <laughs> like, would it matter if I didn't? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, buddy, oh, maybe no. some couples counseling for you. Right. I feel bad for Shax. I love Shax. He's like one of my favorites. Yeah, I like that answer too, for sure. Next episode that we'll be talking about will be season four, episode three, called In the Cradle of Vexala. How do you say that? I would pronounce it. I don't know. Uh, Okay, so um, (laughs) your guess is as good as mine. Okay, comforting to know. So no description of this episode is available yet. So we're gonna be surprised on that, and I will be looking forward to talking about this and chatting more so until next time so you can find us on social media i am on twitter at hilti underscore mike or on instagram letter not letterbox instagram threads and blue sky at ml hilti 2452 and you can find me at jagged 2319 on twitter and threads and letterboxd until next time i'm nick farrow And I'm Mike Hilty. Thank you for tuning in to Geeks Speak Louder Than Nerds. Catchphrase! Catchphrase!